welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Bridgerton on Netflix. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Julian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast. This week, we're going to dive into episode two of Bridgerton. But before we do that, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the things that we are currently reading or watching outside of Bridgerton. I'll go ahead and start. Last night, actually, I watched Wonder Woman 1984, which is out on HBO Max. I'm a fan of all like the comic book movies, and so I really was looking forward to this. I thought we would have to wait another year because obviously all movie theaters are closed for the foreseeable future. I'm a fan. I get to watch new movies at home. I think that's been one of the struggles of quarantine is like you have a new show, you kind of consume it really quickly, and then you're like, now what? What's the new thing I'm going to watch? What? Go back and watch New Girl? Sure. Okay. Um, (laughs) If you're a fan of Wonder Woman, this was fun it's kind of similar to the first one but you know if you're looking for a good time and some action-y female empowerment Mm -hmm. watch it i would give it a watch (laughs) a friend of ours charlotte her name is in the credits on this because she way she works for dc at the time she was jeff john's assistant he's one of the like head people at DC Comics. He's created several comics for DC and and he's overseen and written some of the DC comic movies. So look out for the name Charlotte Ballow. It's a fun movie. Recommend it. But what are you currently watching, Jillian? I watched this a few months ago, but it's still a show that I really liked watching and it's again on HBO Max. It's an anthology show called Love Life. This season focuses on uh, Anna Kendrick stars in it and it's sort of on her character Dark love life. Each episode is like the beginning of a new relationship. Some of them are longer term, some of them she wants to be long term but are cut short. Usually you're like, oh, I love this guy. Oh, I love this couple. And then it (laughs) takes you through like, oh, I hate him or oh, I hate them together. Oh, or I hate all of this, you know, I would say like a slightly more realistic look at, you know, what people's love lives look like nowadays. Definitely not like a fun time romantic comedy, because I think it's got some very real relationship problems. And the next series is gonna star and be about the guy who plays Cheaty in The Good Place. Jackson oh. William Harper, is that his name? William Jackson Harper. William Jackson Harper. I There was that combination. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was gonna say Cheaty Anagonia, but I'm like, no, his real name is William Jackson. <laughs> Harper. <laughs> yeah, so it's about him, his character. He like thought he found his person and he like basically gets out of a serious relationship and is like, what do I do now? He's a great actor. I'm so excited to see it. Here's what I'm really excited for him because I feel like Chidi is just such a nerd yeah. and he has like <laughs> obviously been pulling off the hot nerd aspect of it as well, but I'm excited for him to be like a, a proper leading man like from the get-go, you know, of just like yeah. seeing him in love and out in the world. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do with that. So check it out. 
speaking of love shows. <laughs> yes, exactly. Still plenty of drama in this one, but why don't we dive into episode two, Shock and Delight of Bridgerton. Where we left off was Daphne and the Duke of Hastings have come to an agreement to put on this ruse where they will be fake boyfriend and girlfriend, basically, in order for Simon, his name is Simon Bassett, but he's recently inherited the title, the Duke of Hastings. So if we interchanged Simon or Duke, that's who we're talking about. He's come back in order to kind of get the estate in order and has suddenly had all these moms throwing their their young daughters at him. So he doesn't want to deal with that. Daphne has sort of entered and fizzled out in society rather quickly. So she needs to drum up interest again. So they're going to uh, pretend to form an attachment in order for both of their problems to be solved. So that's the world we're kind of entering into now. And also Daphne is dealing with a uh, declined proposal of this much older man. Doesn't want anything to do with it. So hopefully also this attachment will help dissuade him. Definitely the thing the show is teaching me so far is it's all about how you market yourself. Yeah, <laughs> because oh yeah. Daphne didn't change as a person. What changed was like the kind of interest that's being shown in her. So we enter this episode and something that we see throughout is flashbacks to Simon the Duke's upbringing. We also get this in the book is that his father was desperate for a son. His wife finally gave him a son, gave him Simon, but it was just like a horrible pregnancy and she died very soon after giving birth to him. And he didn't speak until he was like four years old. And then when he spoke, he had a stammer. The Duke was like, you're an imbecile. The Dukes of Hastings are top notch cream of the crop men. You're dead to me. Yeah. And that's even, I think, where we also get some of the backstory around Lady Danbury, who we we saw in the previous episode, like they clearly get along and we just see how much of a mother figure she has been and, and so important to his life. She actually goes and finds him. You are not dead after all. It's not one seen in London. No news of your education, not a word about you from your father, yet here you are, alive and breathing. Everyone believe that his son died, then have Simon carry that title, which is awful. But she's like, okay, I'm gonna take you in because also she was such a great friend of his mother's and is like, I'm gonna teach you everything you need to know. Because also something she notes is like, yeah, it seems like his current maid has taught him like how to ride a horse, how to fence and all these things, but he lacks some of the society manners still. So she's like, I need to get you in order if you're going to inherit this title one day. So she takes it upon herself to take him in and raise him and and even help him to overcome the, his stammer. But in exchange, you must promise me that when you step into the light, you will be worthy of the attention you command. So, you know, instead of seeing someone who is hopeless and to cast him away, she takes him in because she's like, I see some of you in me and I'm going to help you overcome all of this and become even stronger. So I think that's really sweet that we get to see just how much of a role she played in his life and built him up to be the, the man who he is today. Lady Danbury is kind of like one of the older meddling ladies. I mean, she doesn't have like a daughter. She doesn't have like a, a she doesn't have skin in this game, but she loves yeah. to be amused by all the younger people and all the mamas. You know, I love this speech that she gives to this very young Simon where she's like, look, I used to be scared of everything. And then I just woke up one day and I was like, I'm not going to be scared anymore. And so I thought that was great that it's not just about like, get power, overcome. It's also like, you need to be a good man as well. You know, a few years later, he's like, 
like eight or ten and lady danbury like takes simon and like barges into the duke's office and she's like hey fix your son he's phenomenal he's like one of the smartest kids out there he stumbles a bit and the duke is like nope you didn't fix him get him out of my sight he's still dead to me we've learned that simon will never marry and he will never sire an heir it's like the only vow he'll ever make his father was on his deathbed could barely speak had a terrible heart condition and he like strolls in he's like i hate you you're a monster i will never marry i will never sire an heir the hastings line die with me. I'm gonna be the last Duke of Hastings. You're not gonna look at an illustrious line from heaven or wherever. I like that we sort of have this information about him. He's not trying to lead anyone on. He's not just like trying to be an eternal bachelor. He's not like, like, that's not his mindset. His mindset is, I would rather I make my father miserable by knowing that the line dies with me. Because I think what it was, if I'm like diving into Simon's psychology, is like, all he wanted was his father's love. You know, his mother died. Yeah. And he never knew her. He just wanted his father's love. And the sanctity of this dukedom was far more important to his father than actually having a son and raising a son. So it's like the thing that he's been competing with all these years. It's like he didn't have to compete with like a sibling or anything. He was competing with the dukedom. And so I think he wants it to wither and die because it's the only thing his father loved more than him. I yeah. wish Simon could go into therapy to learn that like he needs to live for himself. Yeah. But I, I get that this is where he's coming from. Now seeing both sides, you're like, oh, I kind of want that for Simon. Like I want him to be able to not feel forced to continue this line because, you know, there's so much uh, negativity for him associated with it and so much pain and so much hurt. He does want it to just end and not feel like he's carrying on this horrible legacy either. But at the same time, we've just been introduced he's been introduced to Daphne Bridgerton we see their bond start to grow even though this started out as a ruse maybe there's something going on between them but we know for a fact that at least right now where Simon emotionally is he's like never going to want that life and it's something directly in contrast with what Daphne wants so we don't really see how either of them are going to get get around that but for right now you know Daphne is just happy to be getting more gentlemen callers and so their plan is working but now we see like what's what are Simon's true intentions and as you pointed out like he's not someone who's going to lead lead her on or just string someone along for the sake of it even like I think Anthony has called that out he's like I've known him since you know for 20 years I've known him since we were in school he's never going to get married like he's always said that I don't think Lady Danbury knows you know his own reasons about it either and I think it's something honestly that like he's sort of just said it he's put it out there but his true reasons for it is something only he knows i think that's also something he's trying to balance and battle within himself of like this is what i've said this is the vow i've made but whether yeah. or not he breaks it is up to him his rejection of marriage has nothing to do with not loving daphne but everything to do with like he has made this plot and this vengeance the most important thing in his life. This is all he has, you know? But his drama starts to bleed into the Bridgertons because they've got this incredible fake ruse and they're choosing, you must escort me to at least six balls this season and you must send me flowers. And we're at another ball 
where Nigel is basically like, hey, Anthony, remember how I'm going to marry your sister in front of Simon? And he's like, actually, uh, this guy cannot marry Daphne. That is a huge no. Uh, Ask him what he tried to do to her in the garden. And Anthony is outraged and is like, you will never marry my sister. Don't go within 10 feet of her. I'm going to kick your ass. We think that we have thwarted the Nigel marriage situation, but then we kind of don't because as we dive into the Bridgerton drama. Nigel follows the Duke home and he's like, no, you can have anyone. I need her. She's the only one who's nice to me. She's the only (laughs) one who will like look at me for longer than 10 seconds. He again gets like too close, oversteps his bounds. And so Simon really does a number on his face. Well, he also like insults him. He he, like, what he threatens is like, I was alone with the woman in there. Like I could easily bring this up. And so the fact that he's also trying to threaten to ruin Daphne. He's bringing up uh, Simon's own reputation and honor into this. Simon does, doesn't want to hear any more words from this man. And yeah, like what Daphne did was like a nice strong little punch and he just goes in. And we've we've kind of seen scenes of Simon. He boxes in his spare oh, yeah. time. So he knows how to punch. He's not one of these idle dukes. He's got like a boxing buddy. The part that scandalized me is I'm like, there's no padding. There's no mouth guards. (laughs) There's nothing. I'm just watching these two men without shirts on. It's great. It's a great scene. No shirts, just breeches hitting each other. The only other time we've seen a scene like this was in Sanditon with uh, Theo James's character. We just see like a quick second of a scene where we're like, that was random. All right. But for the Duke of Hastings here, we see like, like, no, this is something he like enjoys and he has a friend and, you know, yeah. he's someone who is skilled in boxing. And so yes. someone threatens him. He knows how to defend himself. He's not like a dukely duke where he's like, oh, no, someone he's like, I'm going to take you down. And he does. Yeah. He takes him out. So the next day, Nigel shows up at the park where everyone's hanging out with a bruised face and a marriage contract. And he's like, look, Daphne and I were alone and I'm not afraid to tell people that we were. And I'm going to tell everyone in three days time unless we get married. Nigel has not gone away. He has made it worse and so then the women because we cannot rely on the anthony bridgertons of this world to get us out of sticky situations and the women take matters into their own hands anthony's response is like then i'll challenge him to a duel and i'm like what in the hamilton is happening right what yeah exactly perfect what (laughs) in the hamilton and his mom is like you know it's illegal and he's like gonna shoot at you and he's like i can i he's like it's still a gentleman's thing he's bringing the bridgerton honor name name and honor into it yeah but i think there's another way to solve this probably and so i behind anthony's back who he thinks he's still you know navigating how to be head of household it's actually kind of during this that lady bridgerton had actually received an invitation for a private tea with the queen and it just kind of happened to line up with all this drama going on because you know the queen is also like many people in the town attached to every lady whistled down newsletter and reading all the gossip and so the queen hasn't heard anything new so she's like i'll just bring the source in and and see what's going on with the bridgertons themselves not much comes of this tea but actually kind of gives lady bridgerton an idea of like oh yes like the maids hear everything and so how do i use that to my advantage uh to fix what's going on between this whole Nigel nonsense. She decides to invite Nigel's mother to tea as if to say like, 
yeah, sure, we're going forward with this, and you know, let's talk we're just about trying to Nigel, who's so yeah, interesting. <laughs> we're just trying to make nice, and then like the mother is so awful, and it's just like being instructing Daphne how to be the proper wife. She's just such one of these women who thinks like the world revolves around her whole her son. She's like, mother, I've turned so many women away because I value accomplishment over beauty, and we're like, yeah, sure. He's turning beautiful, accomplished <laughs> women away. Yeah. The lady in waiting for Nigel's mom. They're like in the servants' quarters, and then she's like, Sometimes it's tough dealing with these people, am I right? She's like, You have no idea. And then she kind of dives into all the gossip. Nigel has a secret child with a former maid, and he hasn't been paying money for them. And so, of course, being the clever women that they are, they're not going to go directly to him and be like, we have this dirt. Here's what we're going to do, which is exactly what Nigel did. Well, what I love about all of this is it's just like a great demonstration of like women doing their thing and it worked like a charm, you know? Yeah. Because we don't see him anymore. He just runs away to the country after that. It's a very brilliant plan from Violet, Lady Bridgerton. Like, I love it. They go to like the dress shop and and the beauty shop and, and for tea and they're like, ooh, I've got a piece of gossip for you. And she's like, that's nothing. Have you heard about Nigel Burbrook? Here's another thing I want to say of like, yay, Bridgerton women over Anthony. Anthony's like, I looked into it. He has no debts. He doesn't go to the whorehouses. He seems like a pretty clean cut guy. But he did such superficial digging. He didn't find the child. And we're like, what? You missed that? He even like comes to them and he's like, look, I don't think the fact that Burbrook ran away to the country right now is any coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that this information came out uh, just as we were running into trouble with him. But in the future, I would prefer it if you came to me because I'm going to help. And we're like, oh, you're kind of the one that got us into this situation. So yeah. uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, that's not going to happen. Anthony had to find out about what Nigel did from Simon. They do have a conversation conversation about it, Anthony and Daphne, where he's like, why wouldn't you have come to me with this? Like, why didn't you? And she is like, if I did, would you have listened? There's this moment where he's like, of course I would have listened. Uh, you're, you're my sister. But she's like, no, I did tell you, like, I didn't want to be with him and you still didn't listen. So it is one of those things where, again, navigating head of household where he should have had a big brother moment not a very narrow-minded head of household moment he's not navigating well as we can clearly see you know he's jumping into things so quickly he made this agreement behind Daphne's and his mother's back without even really consulting either of them and so really he is responsible for this mess that they got into, but thankfully, uh, Lady Bridgerton is uh, taking back charge of this. She's like, you know what? You clearly have a lot you're dealing with, so let me take care of the matchmaking, and you worry about other stuff. I think it's also just such this thing of like, he had to hear this information from another man in order for him to take this information seriously. Because I can see where Daphne's coming from. Like, she didn't tell Anthony even a little bit, but she made it known that she wasn't happy about this. I would have helped you. You should have told me. Would you have believed me? Did you only change your mind about Lord Bearbrook because another man told you the truth? You truly esteem me so little. After I apprised you of my wishes and you proceeded to ignore them. Yes, brother, I do. 
like I do worry in another life if Daphne had gone to him he would have been like you're just saying that because you don't want to marry him it's just such this thing of not believing women it's frustrating because I know Anthony is better than that but he is just so fixated on like how can I be a successful head of the household that he like doesn't actually see what the right thing to do is and meanwhile in Shea Featherington and Penelope's Penelope and Eloise they don't know where babies come from because basically (laughs) Penelope really wants to be friends with Marina she feels so terrible for her because she's locked in this room she doesn't know why and she learns about her condition they have no idea where babies come from so she sits her down brings her cake and she's like how did this happen she doesn't really get an answer because she's like it happened from cake and I fell in love so we know that love leads to babies love that doesn't stand to reason well it certainly does not look at my mama three children would anyone presume that had anything to do with love so I love that, like, kind of at the beginning of the episode, Eloise bursts into the Bridgerton lounge area and is like, I have to know how women come to be with child. And her mom's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, what are you talking about? We, we actually start to dive a lot more into Eloise. Actually, do you want to know what's hilarious? So she's supposed to be like the younger Bridgerton sister. So in real life, the girl who plays Daphne is like 24, 25. And mm. the woman who plays Eloise is like 30 or 31. She's like she quite a bit older. She seem older than to me. I mean, Eloise, I think in general is kind of an old soul. But I'm like, oh, literally this actress is like actually five or six years older than her older sister. So we're learning more about Eloise and she's definitely much more of a tomboy. She's very much a reader and a writer. We see that she secretly smokes cigarettes on the swings and is joined by her brother Benedict, who I hope we'll learn more about him because the funny thing is, is right now all three of the Bridgerton boys look really, really similar. (laughs) Same features, same haircut. It took me a second to differentiate them, but I think I know the difference now. But Benedict is kind of like lost in the wind. He's like, I kind of don't know what I want. What's worrying to Eloise, she's like, I see everything Daphne's going through. I have no desire to go through all of that. She wants to go to college but it's not possible for women in that time and she wants to further her education but that's not a priority for her as far as society and and her mother is concerned and in the same way benedict is someone who like isn't in a rush or doesn't want that life either uh and so they kind of find themselves at a standstill where they're like well we don't want these things but we are expected to want these things and we have to go through with it she would sort of rather have the freedom that men have and she's like sort of scolds benedict she's like you know you can do whatever you want like you could just leave this life if you wanted to because you can you can be anything you're a man i can't just be anything i have to if i want something i need like a man to get it for me so i need to be married or like i need these like brother figure people like man figure (laughs) there's this moment where he's like are you lady whistle down and she's like no but also if i were i wouldn't tell you i will say that scene is what sparked my interest to look ahead for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode yolanda and i spoiled for ourselves who lady whistle down is so we know we're not gonna say it but we know and no um, i think i think it's cool to watch knowing who it is because now you'll be watching out for that person that character to see like where are they in all these situations and how are mm-hmm. they playing into all of this so uh and do they have a bias against or for certain characters because now like hearing like what are the things lady whistledown says 
and how does that maybe go for or against certain people based on their biases. But also, um, kind of on the Eloise line, um, it gets a little bit repetitive in future episodes, but she kind of keeps pushing, like, the fact that she's just, like, not happy with the fact that it's not that she's not happy with her place in life. I'm sure she's very privileged and she has everything she could ever possibly want. And I think that's a frustrating part for her is, like, I have all these things. Why can I not just choose this path versus the path that is chosen for me? And uh, she does have a heart-to-heart with Daphne of like, so you're dealing with all of this. How are you dealing with all of it? Because I'm terrified of it. Like, yeah. I, she's probably expected, you know, to be entering into society the next season. And mm-hmm. so it's it's not far off for her. And I think Daphne looks at it from a certain point of view that's a little different from her. She's like, it's what I want. And it's sort of what expected. And she kind of takes a little bit more of a uh, sort of out of the family name and honor and what's expected of me. Like, this is what I, what we do. More of like duty versus Eloise, again, being like sort of second in line of the women. She doesn't see it that way. She's like, you know, I don't want, (laughs) I don't want that. She was expecting going into the conversation being like, you know what, Eloise, I'm totally doubting all of this. I don't want this life either. Like, what do we do? But it was very much so the contrary, where Daphne's like, no, I want that life. You know, this is, I'm on the path I want to be on because even though I think it's expected of her, she wants it. Well, and I think this is a really important scene. It gives Daphne a little more color. Like, as a character, it answers the question, what does she want? And she wants a big family. Like, she loves being a Bridgerton. She loves, you know, Anthony's, like, ruining her life, but she still loves him. And, you know, we find out her mother, like, you know, almost died giving birth to their youngest sister, Hyacinth. But, like, she lived and they love their sister. And so we learn that Daphne wants this really big family. And The funny thing about this is, is, like, courtship and suitors and seasons and gowns that's like a very different game from being married and i think that conversation kind of brings daphne back down to earth because you know she like it's very flattering like all like half the town is calling on her and bringing her flowers and writing her poetry and and it's really flattering and she loves the attention and and she also even though it's not quote-unquote real she still gets like the attentions of this handsome duke and i think she sort of loves the drama of that but this conversation with eloise reminds her that like the goal is to find a husband the goal is marriage. The goal is starting this big family, which is like a very different business from like the courtship and the attention. And so she kind of goes into the ball and she goes into this dance with the Duke where she's like, look, I know we've been having a lot of fun toying with people and, you know, starting these rumors and doing this. We have this farce, but like, this is my life. In a way, it's like the Duke, because he doesn't want a wife, he doesn't have anything to lose. She's the one with something to lose because she's the one with the ticking time time bomb of like specialness she's the one who only has a small window of time before people aren't going to want her anymore and so she's like the goal is to find me a husband they kind of like end it there where we leave the simon daphne meter is like they've grown as characters they i would say they're friendly to each other they like each other but daphne's like i can't distract myself with the duke like i need to find someone who wants this too like she she wants someone with similar goals 
we know more about especially Simon's backstory we know Daphne's ultimate goal and what she's looking for so I think again that like kind of just adds more to like each of their decisions in this and what they have at stake too because for Daphne obviously stakes are higher she needs to get married for Simon it's like we just know where he's at of like it's not going to happen with Daphne at least in his mind so and so we'll see how Mm -hmm. that plays out for them too. Again, if you have any thoughts or comments about the show or any upcoming episodes, feel free to reach out to us over email at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at thepemberley across all the social medias. Stay tuned to see what happens on Bridgerton. Bridgerton.